Hello and welcome to the Boz Podcast. My name is Shabad Singh. Today we have a wonderful conversation with Harman Singh Tendola based on an article that he wrote back in January. Uh, let's say on the limitations of representative politics for six and specifically targeting the targeting of Navdeep Bands, the liberal MP, uh, by the Indian state. Uh, in the discussion, we talk about uh, not only uh, the controversy around the targeting of uh, Mr. Bands, uh, but further, you know, what does representative politics really mean? What effect does it really have? And uh, frankly, uh, what limitations does it have for the Sikh community? Can we achieve the kind of liberatory and just uh, vision, guru-centered vision of society through representative politics uh, in the countries where our diaspora lives? Uh, so let's go ahead and listen in to my discussion uh, with Harman Singh Kandola. Harman Singh Kandola, welcome to the Boz Podcast. Thank you, Shabd Singh. I'm very excited to be joining you today. Um, you uh, wrote an article back in uh, January. Um, the title was uh, Navdeep Bans, Disinfo Campaigns, and a Valuable Lesson for Sick Politicians Around the World. Uh, that got a lot of traction and I think generated a lot of discussion uh, online uh, and valuable discussion at that. Um, and, and hopefully we can use, uh, talking about this to then talk a little bit about, uh, the upcoming Canadian elections. Um, but what I wanted to, to start with was, um, you know, first of all, you, you, you focus on this story, uh, of Navdeep Benz. Uh, maybe you can first tell us a little bit about who, who he is, uh, and, uh, then we can talk about why you focused on him. Who's Navdeep Benz? So Navdeep Benz, uh, is a member of a member of parliament here in Canada, and he's been a member of parliament for many, many terms. Um, initially uh, elected, um, you know, even when I was quite younger, um, and then kind of rose to prominence under the current government, Trudeau government, where he became a, a cabinet minister. He's um, based out of, um, you know, riding in Mississauga, just kind of south of Brampton. And, um, you know, he's he's become, you know, kind of rose to prominence as probably one of the the most well-known um, sick face uh, MPs here in Canada. And so, you know, he's somebody who I think um, internally is considered to be very close to the Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau. And, you know, he has a lot of scrutiny on him because he, he does have, and his family has, some deep roots within the community. Uh, and so there was, uh, you know, quite a, quite a big, uh, a large amount of expectation on him to, you know, um, be a representative of the community when he, when he first became a minister. Um, so he's, he's a, he's now an establishment figure. He's somebody who's as tight as one, I guess, could be within the liberal party, uh, and, and has risen in the ranks there. Like you said, uh, about his closeness with, uh, the prime minister, um, would, uh, I mean, can you, would you generally be able to kind of describe his politics? Yeah. So, I mean, he was first elected back in 2004. Um, and I think he was actually one of the youngest MPs at the time. Um, you know, then period of time in opposition. Um, but Bans, um, you know, at, at some points was actually quite outspoken 
um, you know, when it came to sick issues, you know, he, he spoke against um, Quebec, Quebec's bloc, Quebecois, using um, politics of fear to try to ban the Kirban from parliamentary buildings. Um, and so, you know, prior to his current role, um, he's traded on that um, cachet within the community to try to be seen as a representative. But when it comes to his general politics, I mean, you know, in Canada, he's he's a liberal, um, which puts him kind of in the center of the spectrum here, uh, which means that he gets to be pragmatic and, and not um, dogmatic in any way and, or ideological. So um, he has a flexibility to kind of move move where he, wherever he wants. Um, but yeah, I mean, for the article, you know, kind of the, you know, one of the, the motivating factors was that Navdeep Bass had, you know, abruptly announced that he was no longer going to be um, participating and he was going to resign um, from cabinet earlier this year, back in January of 2021. And, you know, some of the reporting that comes out of that is really what, what spurred, spurred my, um, my article. And, and the content of the article is focusing on um, the targeting uh, of Navdeep Benz by, um, by uh, an article uh, from Z News that, uh, that uh, published, and the quote here is, published fake and dubious claims at the behest of the Indian state. Um, can you talk a bit about what that article looked like and what, uh, what those dubious claims were and, and um, how we might know that uh, that was at the behest of the Indian state? Well, it was it was quite shocking when when I saw some of the reporting, um, you know, and, and it Z News ran uh, an article that essentially accuses him of um, you know corruption, and they go into you know this this story um, that's existed since 2018 uh, about a land deal that um, was was involving the city of Brampton. And and it, it it shocks me because you know they can't really go into details about you know what exactly it was that they claim that Navdeep Bass's role was in this land deal. In fact, it just you know a businessman with links to Navdeep purchased a certain piece of land from from the uh, on the province, and then he sold it to the Brampton City for for more. Um, you know, ultimately, what we've seen is that Mr. Bass has has never been you know, somehow um, targeted in this or, or somehow have been found to have done anything wrong. In fact, but what Z News does is that they take um, the local M- um, MP, Raj Gurwal, whose name had also come up around that. And they, you know, they then go into what, you know, Raj Gurwal has some issues later on um, with, you know, a personal a personal issue around, um, you know, gambling and all that and they somehow link these two things into making this um you know now something that mr bass was complicit in when you know it's pretty cl- like there's no actual factual nexus between um Nivdi bass and this land deal but now this becomes the basis for why he's resigning why he's now being you know uh, targeted and 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 it, it just it, it was absolutely um you know baffling because you know, you're just making baseless accusations, but it went further than that. So there was other news reporting where 
you know, they started to try to create it, that there was mystery around why he was resigning. Um, and they try to make it sound like it was all all secretive. Um, and then they start throwing in, you know, so the print had an article where, you know, they they, they talk about the mystery of his resignation and, and then remind everybody that Captain Amrinder Singh accused him and other Sikh Canadian leaders of being Khalistani sympathizers. Hmm. And 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 they use his support for the farmers' protest um, in that uh, article as well. So now all of a sudden, you know, here's a guy who's and, and it's a clear signal. He, he supports farmers' protest. Right. He's he's a Khalistani, but hey, he's also very corrupt and he's flipped land and he's um, been involved in immigration fraud as well. And so they they run the store. You know, they they pick up on the story where. Um, you know, the National Post here in Canada had run uh, an article about a Canadian Gordwara that was having some, um, having some, some, you know, I think it was uh, issues with immigration fraud. But ultimately, Nadeem Bass is not linked to this immigration right, fraud at all. It's, right. it's, it's, it's some person who he knows, who knows another person, and, and he, somehow his name finds its way into this article. And, and it's just mm. absurd that now this is being put together into a narrative mm. um, and then at the end of it they they jump into a, a you know uh, a piece and, and a linkage saying you know um, that, that Khalistani elements ha- don't have popular support uh, amongst the six of Canada in the US and mm. you know it's it just it's just so strange where you know on the one hand you're saying that at the highest levels of government in Canada that you know federal cabinet ministers are Khalistanis. And on the other hand, you want to make sure you remind everybody, but, but yeah, but you know what? No, no, no. Nobody in Canada is actually a Khalistani. <laughs> um, so somehow they've managed to infiltrate the highest levels of government with without any popular support. Um, but they're all corrupt and they all are, you know, farmers protest um, uh, supporters. It's it, it just, you know, you're taking every piece of damaging narrative that... Uh, the Indian government tries to spin and you just piece it together around what essentially is an innocent resignation of a guy who's been in politics for over, you know, 17 years or 20 right. years or whatever it is. And who says, you know, I'm stepping back because, you know, I want to spend more time with my family in Canada. This is not reported as being mysterious or, right. or, 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 or has any type of um, controversy around it. Yet Indian news sources are starting to spin a narrative. So, We've touched on this in previous episodes, but um, but what is it about uh, ZTV or sorry Z News that would uh, that that brings up these questions of uh, specifically kind of acting as a mouthpiece for the Indian state? Yeah, I think that's a it's a great question, and and you know um, the World Sick Organization actually had done this uh, great report um, that kind of demonstrated the connections uh, and the linkages between a lot of the different media outlets. And these so-called, you know, kind of mainstream-looking outlets that you know are are the mouthpieces of the Indian government, and and how they then try to amplify this message. Um, but I, before we even get into that, you know, I I, I do want to also say that like it wasn't just you know um, Z and and it was also Op India, which is an outlet that I think we've we've seen and cataloged on numerous occasions uh, that has issues when it comes to you know trying to attack sex. 
Um, and in, in there, they accuse um, Navdeep Bass of being a pro-Khalistan sympathizer and a member of the pro-Khalistani radical outfit, the World Sikh Organization. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, yes, that, that famously and, radical organization, yep. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, you know and, and it's so funny, is that they, they then have like this bold, factless statement that the Sikh diaspora in Canada has, has labeled the WSO as an extremist organization. Um but, um, you know, and, and whereas if you look at the past several years uh, wherein the Liberals have been in government, the WSO has been very active in um, advocating on behalf of issues that would be um, in directly in contrast to the position and stances of Minister Bass. Mm. So, you know, there's a clear, um, there within Canada, the politics here, um, there is a, a block where, you know, there's criticisms towards um, the advanced, you know, in that he's not been a good representative of the Sikh community. He's not actually raised a lot of the issues. Um, but yet now when, when there's an opportunity to kind of smear, smear him and smear different organizations, they take those, those shots. And, and so coming back to your question in terms of, um, you know, what, um, how, how, how this is done and, and, you know, these outlets, well, you know, what we've seen in the past is even in official communications from the Indian state, you know, a lot of that language gets repeated in this news reporting. And so that's what really gives you the clear indication that there is um, linkages and that there is um, a concerted effort towards, um, you know, uh, amplifying this message as, as mm. a state, state-led message. And and, and I'll, I'll just kind of, um, you know, remind everybody um, and, and there was a clear example we, we had seen uh, earlier this year when it came to Terry Molesky's um, McDonald Laurier Institute article. I remember wa- being on Twitter and seeing every single mission or uh, Indian mission around the world from, you know, based in countries, you know, from Central America to South America to Europe to Africa, all tweeting uh, within minutes of each other amplifying this this you know great expose by the great terry maleski mm-hmm. um and then you saw that get picked up by these same news sources and so that was such a blatant obvious okay. um example of the coordination that takes place between you know some of these outlets and the government just because the you know there must have been a direction from the government to their uh embassies and, and their and and their consulates across the world to put this message out and then clearly gets picked up by these outlets and they, they parrot off these issues during the India trip, the, the, the ill-fated India trip um, of Trudeau, which was actually organized in Biden of deep Bass, That's mm-hmm. when we really saw that amplification and it, what becomes clear for six in Canada was that the Canadian media did not have the, the understanding or the nuance to appreciate the fact that they were being played. Yeah. And that's the really kind of disturbing thing, I think, for Canadian sex, which is despite, you know, our community having been here uh, for decades, you know, and going on to centuries, um, over a century, not not, not plural, but, um, you know, that there was a, a lack of understanding of the nuance when it comes to our community and the Indian state. So I think sex kind of rolls up and and that's where the uh ask canadian six uh you know kind of movement came from which mm-hmm. was 
stop parroting these outlets that are known to be propaganda pieces of the government. Right. You know, seek out authentic sources of information when it comes to the Sikh community. And, you know, in the article, I touch on that that movement led to high-level meetings with editorial boards, uh, led to training sessions for different journalists uh, and outlets when it came to understanding these. And the message that was delivered was, you know, don't come to us, um, but seek out authentic sources, mm. you know, and and understand how you are being manipulated. So when you're not doing, you know, proper sourcing, uh, you're actually doing a massive disservice because you're now perpetuating, uh, you know, the nar- the narrative and the propaganda of a state that has a vested interest in undermining a community and marginalizing that community. And it's already a vulnerable community. And it was pretty shocking when you kind of started putting the pieces together for a lot of Canadian journalists where they really started to to see it. And, mm. and they they realized because, I mean, they they were so used to going to the same tired voices mm-hmm. and, and the same tired sources because they hadn't done the work. And I mean, you know, in the new media landscape, it just it's so much more difficult to actually do that type of boots on the ground work. Right to have authentic voices from the Sikh community. And, you know, I think the World Sikh Organization's perspective was, well, it's not, you know, you just come to us and listen to what we have to say. It's, you know, use the the same sources you've had, but now make sure you have actual community sources. And and so when it came to the Bass uh, disinformation campaign, you saw that Canadian outlets just refused to engage. They they didn't take this. They didn't amplify it unless it was like kind of the far right in Canada, which is always kind of looking just at ways of of undermining, um, you know, the liberals or or in their own little politics. Um, mainstream media just did not pick up on this. The this mysterious corruption, Khalistani narrative just never played. Right. But you know, there's problematic players and actors who exist within the Canadian landscape. And one of those was a colleague of Mr. Bass, Mr. Bass, <laughs> you know, is an MP known as Ramesh Sangha, um, who, while uh, an MP in Canada, was collecting a uh, pension from India um, and it was known to have very close uh, pro-Indian ties. And, and, and there he was, you know, accusing, accusing Mr. Bass himself uh, of, of, of being a, a Khalistani. And, and so, you know, he he ends up getting kicked out of caucus. But, you know, kind of to, to answer your, your 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 original question, we've just seen so many examples of the the way that this manipulation campaigns happen, and, and kind of what we say that 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 loop of you know amplification. So I'm I'm going to quote here, and I think that you know part of the point of your your article is is to uh, to to highlight the fact that. You don't need to be um, a radical, uh, sick, um, a radical, sick voice or a radical, sick politician to be targeted by the state. You say, MP Benz, while respected as a capable Canadian politician, was not an outspoken sick advocate uh, or community advocate. He was quiet during the Indian trip, uh, which saw alongside serious damage to community uh, reputation via disinformation campaigns, which you touched on there. Uh, the the signing of an unprecedented security sharing framework uh, between Canada and India, uh, and a haphazard approach to the rule of law, especially when it comes to six. Uh, you're referring to uh, India's uh, longstanding uh, lack of 
clear uh, violation rather of, of uh, human rights uh, of six, but also, uh, in, you know, which you don't mention here specifically of uh, various marginalized groups within uh, India. And you also say he was also uh, mostly quiet during the Public Safety Canada Terror Report fiasco, in which the government eventually and rightfully removed references to six in the report after widespread and months-long protests. So uh, when it counted, when um, the, Indi- the the Canadian state was really, um, uh, excuse, uh, excuse my French, but showing its ass uh, as far as um, really kind of buying into this disinformation, uh, connecting its security uh, apparatus with the Indian state, uh, despite its, its, its uh, very long history of human rights abuse, uh, Mr. Bance was, was uh, quiet and effectively towing his party's line. Uh, and despite all of that, here we sit now, uh, he is being targeted uh, by Indian uh, media that's effectively parroting uh, state sources. So, so, and and the crux of your of your article is to say it doesn't matter if you're towing the line, if you're a kind of the the model uh, quote unquote model minority sick that's sort of doing all of the right things uh, as far as uh, the mainstream uh, uh, deems. Uh, you're going to be uh, targeted eventually by by the state because of its by the Indian state because of its strategy uh, in encountering um, uh, Sikh activism and Sikh uh, 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 movement uh, uh, in India. So, so why, why, you know, I, I think that many of us probably know the answer to this, but, but um, you know, uh, why, why are, why do you think this is the case? What is the, the sort of, um, the aim of the Indian state here in targeting even voices that are not really uh, actually very, very harmful or, or, or uh, um, counter to the, the Indian state's um, uh, goals. Yeah. I, I think the simple answer in that um, is that, you know, six uh, abroad and six in, in, in India are a threat uh, <clears throat> to the, the hegemonic power of the Indian state. Um, that's been the case since independence. Um, you know, in Canada, we have an open example of Indian interference within this country. Um, you know, back uh, in the 80s, there was a, a diplomat, uh, Malloy Dar, who had written in his memoir about his mission that he was sent here on. Um, this is, you know, when he was here in the period of 83 to 87 um, to penetrate select Gordoras, create assets in the Sikh community and to generate a few friends amongst the Canadian members of parliament. Um, he was also involved in targeting mainstream Punjabi media with sources, uh, with stories to tell the Indian side. And so, you know, there's, there's, there's a detailed history of, of in the Indian government's interference within Canada. Um, something that Minister Bass would have been uh, aware of, um, and he would have been aware of, of, of the problematic relationship. So when, you know, during the India trip, it's announced that, um, the Canadian government has agreed to the framework uh, for cooperation on count- countering terrorism and violent extremism between Canada and India. You know that that's extremely problematic for Canadian Six, 
And what happens is this is this is not the first time that an Indian government um, has requested or, or try to push uh, the Canadian government on on entering into such such a framework. But in the past, you know, Canadian governments have kind of uh, refused and refused on the grounds of, you know, we're not going to be sharing intel or or intelligence with a state that uses um, torture or you know is willing to manufacture information it's just not reliable intel um, you know we all saw the recent report uh, you know of of you know or the, sorry it was the chief justice I think in India who, who claimed that Indian police stations are a human rights threat uh, <laughs> you know it, it's the, the level of brutality uh, of the state against its own people is 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 well documented but you know, different cultures, different communities will put up their pavilions. They'll celebrate their heritage. They'll, you know, share their food, kind of like the innocent celebration of multiculturalism that everybody feels comfortable with. <laughs> you know, um, and in 2017, there there was uh, instead of a separate India tent. Um, sorry, there was a separate India tent, but there was also a separate Punjab tent, and it was nice to see because it was, you know, both. Um, you know, both sides of Punjab um, kind of coming together and and kind of doing something as one community, you know, something to celebrate. But that irks the Indian state. And in fact, what happens is, you know, Indian diplomats try to cancel, try to get it canceled and, and try to force the merger. In fact, they write to the mayor of Brampton and say, you know, we're not going to allow this. Well, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> it's not up to you. <laughs> and and the mayor of Brampton at the time wrote a letter to the Minister of Foreign Affairs to say, hey, what is this foreign government interfering in my local festival? Like, who are they to tell us what to do? And, and that's the kind of crux of this uh, letter. But it's something that the Liberal government does not take any action on at all for over a year until they're now being accused um, by the Indian government of, of uh, you know, numerous issues, you know, harboring Khalistanis or whatever it was. Um, and then the liberals use this 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 in interference in this local thing to say, look, your government interferes in our in our affairs. You know, where where was the outrage when it was happening and during the period of time when it was happening, right? It it theoretically sat on that desk for for over a year until it was useful. So, you know, when we talk about uh, Minister Bass, it's important to look at 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 the liberal government and you know what they've done or what they've not done um, when it comes on to sick issues and and there's there's other examples you know that that this government has been silent on and in and in particular you know there's the the two really major ones one is Bill Twenty One which is the racist bill in Quebec um, that prevents anyone who wears a religious symbol from uh, serving in any kind of public position including being a teacher police officer judge um, so. You know, it, it disproportionately affects religious minorities, the Sikhs, Muslims, Jews, and you know this liberal government has been completely silent um, on actually, you know, kind of standing up for the charter rights of this country, which included freedom of religion, um, because Quebec is the special place where they get to be racist, and the rest of us have to just you know go along with it because hey, there's a lot of like seats there. Trudeau wants to try to get uh, votes, and so standing up for for the rights of minorities is not that important when you're trying to win an election. Now, <laughs> now, um, it, you know, and it also goes to the lack of action on the Afghan Sikh issue, and, and again, that's an issue that you know Canadian Sikhs are really familiar with because it's been something that you know 
organizations, including the Munmeet Singh Polar Foundation, have been pushing for six or seven years. And now we see the desperation where, you know, things could have been done pre- beforehand and they weren't. And now, you know, now we've seen uh, the consequences of of a government that delayed in, in doing the right thing. So, you know, I it, it's it's one of those. Um, so when you look at the context of, of that and, and say, OK, well, Minister Bance uh, was probably the most senior SIC MP. Um, he has a background in understanding these issues. He would have known about these issues, and yet he never spoke up. He wasn't vocal, um, and his it was his government that uh, that was the one turning a blind eye. So f- for him to be attacked by the Indian state is just shocking, right? Uh, you know, he, here's here's someone who was there when they signed an intelligence sharing agreement, and so you can imagine my shock. Um, when I see the you know Indian news outlets attacking him, and and it was it was so painful because again it's so predictable, and yet there he was trying to kowtow to a state that has no interest in building a good faith relationship, um, and in fact used his resignation as an opportunity to 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 you know take a shot that would then tarnish potentially his legacy um, as he goes into retirement. Well, and, and so the, the, I think the point here is, is that uh, you, even if um, somebody uh, such as a Navdeep Bans um, can, can, like I said before, can kind of tick all the boxes of, of, of not really <laughs> ruffling feathers or uh, standing up to standing up to uh, uh, the Indian state in any way, um, as the kind of highest drinking sick uh, MP in Canada, uh, is going to uh, be targeted uh, for the purposes of the Indian state. I mean, it really has nothing to do with Navdeep Bans. He could have been anybody. Um, but as long as you are sick, uh, you are a useful target uh, for uh, Indian state media to, to use uh, for its own strategy and its own purposes. Um, and, and I think that this raises some kind of maybe deeper questions about um, our participation as six in representative uh, politics uh, and electoral politics in general, uh, in terms of, you know, how, what, how much can we actually do uh, in, in this configuration? Um, so maybe uh, we can start to kind of shift our focus looking a bit towards the future, um, uh, we are now uh, coming up towards a federal election in Canada. Um, so what, what are you uh, kind of, as you're surveying things uh, in the lead up to that, uh, maybe what, what are you thinking about uh, as, as I'm sure many six are participating in elections across the country? Um, and, and what are you thinking about and hoping perhaps that six might uh, might uh, learn from from the lesson of uh, Navdeep Bans uh, in in their kind of future um, interaction uh, with uh, Canadian electoral politics. Yeah, Shabzi, that's a great question. I think you know, for f- full dis- disclosure, back in 2015, I once ran for a political party at, at a provincial level here in Alberta. Um, you know, I was I was you know quite younger. I was in my late twenties, but the experience of being in in party politics really opened my eyes to the uh, constraints that exist within a within a party system. Um, you know, and and it's one that really made me challenge my notion of what what representation meant. You know, as a young person growing up, 
you know, I, you, I saw um, leaders from the Sikh community or, that that you know made me aspire to want to want to be in politics. Um, ironically enough, I this is a terrible story, but um, when I was a, a youngster and uh, Ujjal Dosanjh had become premier of BC, mm-hmm. there was McLean's magazine, and that's a Canadian, um, you know, national Canadian magazine. It, it, the front cover was, you know, first sick premier. Um, you know, as, as a young person, I, I was delighted. I was so enamored with this idea that, you know, as a, as a Sikh, as, as, as somebody of this, of a minority community could become, you know, premier or occupy the highest office in, you know, in one of the highest offices in, in this country was, was heartwarming. And, and, you know, mm. I begged my, my mom to, to buy this in the grocery aisle, you know, and like these magazines were cheap. Right. Um, and there, there I was, I mean, later on, uh, as as you as you age, you you learn that Ojal Tanj is actually very problematic when it comes to his position, and right. and his identity as a Sikh is is was questionable. But um, you, you, it's it became, and I think you know it, it's really interesting because in Canada, um, Sikhs have definitely been able to successfully navigate um, pol- you know the the political pol- uh, the partisan political system to have representation. But the the way political parties work is that you know they're they're pretty rigid ideological boxes, um, and and you need to acquiesce, and they've got those pressures as as institutions to force people to conform, and that's what we've seen time and time again. Um, you know, it, it, the, and it becomes it becomes so obvious that even when you have people who have been you know historically outspoken um, or historically able to. Um, you know, kind of uh, advocate on behalf of their communities. As soon as they 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 are now into elected office, that there is compromises that have to be made in order to shift and fit into those ideological um, boxes. So, but it, and 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 there's and there's research on this, which is you know um, for minority communities that and vulnerable communities that it's much more important to have you know third party advocacy than it is to have representation. Just because mm-hmm. um, you know and and and. You know, I, I like to kind of get into the practicality of it, which is so many times what we've seen in Canada is is those who kind of seek to speak for the Sikh community when it comes to elections and election time, they go on to become gatekeepers. And then they're the ones who then now are, are the ones who filter um, what issues the Sikh community uh, cares about and what issues they don't care about. And in fact, what that does is that actually limits our ability to actually advocate for issues that the grassroots are, are interested in, because now it's more about, you know, electoral politics than it is um, the community's best interest. And so when I view, you know, this current election, I mean, we've got six in, in every single party, um, you know, Jigmeet Singh, who's the leader of the NDP, you know, I, I, again, here's an individual who who's been targeted by by India in the past. He was denied a visa on the grounds that he was um, misusing the pretext of human rights to pursue his own insidious agenda of disturbing the social fabric of India Incredible. and undermining the peace, harmony, and territorial integrity of India. Um, but then we've got a leader of the Conservative Party of Canada who tried to bring forward a motion. Um, that was going to support the territorial integrity uh, and peace and harmony of India. 
And so, you know, you see that there's that there is, you know, the state active in these elections. Right. Um, you know, obviously, Aaron O'Toole has walked that back. That motion never does get tabled. It never does get passed. But, you know, there is something behind, you know, why he brought that forward. Now, in the current landscape, you know, it, it's amazing and surprising that even on issues where there is complete agreement that the you know the the government should act, they still don't act. So when it comes to the Afghan Sikh and Hindu uh, refugee issue, the conservatives have all said you know do a special program for them. The NDP had said do a special program for them, and it's the liberals who have the most Sikh MPs who haven't been able to do it. And so right. even in the face of no opposition, no political consequence, if they did it, nobody's calling them out on it, right? Um, yeah. Yet they still fail. And again, it goes back to, well, you have these strict ideological boxes and you have these people who've now become gatekeepers in how these things should be done. Um, and it's just a lack of political will because, again, it's, you know, I, I, I may be being very cynical when I'm looking at this. It's easy to get caught up in you know, wanting to see, um, you know, having a, a seat at the table or having a voice at the table. Uh, you know, there's there's a good um, sick uh, candidate for the Liberals in Calgary, Georgia Hall, um, you know, somebody that, that I think highly of. But, you know, I, I'm worried for, for, for him being now pushed into an ideological box. Whereas, you know, when you're at a municipal level where there is no political parties here in Canada, um, you know, you're not you're not uh, forced to, to to toe any kind of party lines. So coming back to it, you know, when I look at this current election, as a community, we need to start to really evaluate from um, a community best interest perspective, rather than you know the personal relationship, um, and 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 look sure. at really where have they performed and what have they performed on, and to start asking you know really hard questions of you know, what it is that they are going to do. Um, ultimately, we still have to, you know, engage in some level when it comes to, um, you know, the political atmosphere here. Because it wasn't that long ago when Canadians were, you know, Canadian six were completely shut out. You know, mm. um, there was a time when the foreign affairs minister, Joe Clark, had issued a directive to all provincial parties not to meet with any sex. Wow. And so I think that really is the motivation that, that kind of pushed the six to to start to activate strong grassroots networks to then you know sign up members and start to get people elected is you know there there's a generation that remembers not even being able to have a voice not even being able to have a meeting not even being heard that's changed you know um the the way advocacy is done has changed uh, the way to be heard has changed and that's where you know outlets um, that have evolved over the past several years become so much more powerful. I mean, ask Canadian Six if you look at the the experience of young activists across Canada who spoke up uh, and spoke out, and 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 now have that ability. You know, that wasn't there twenty years ago when when the community was being shut out. And so, uh, I, I think the motivation to to see representation has evolved um, right. and has changed, and and. and you know, to what extent do we we want to see just having sick MPs? I, I think that motivation has changed. So perhaps um, you know a way a, a balanced way of looking at it would be that uh, you know ultimate sick 
goals uh, are not necessarily going to be uh, solved or, or achieved um, through electoral politics in whichever um, you know places the diaspora lives, uh, but that it is perhaps an effective tool for advocacy from and for the community. Um, now, you know, I think I think to take a little bit of a step back, you know, ultimately, six are being uh, targeted because uh, because uh, they threatened the um, the sort of status quo and hegemony of the Indian state, like you said before, um, and and that threat was based on uh, trying to essentially create a space where. Um, in the form of a, of a Khalistan, after many many decades of, of of advocacy within the state and effort within the state to uh, make an actual configuration that truly did work for all people within India, uh, and and really ultimately failing because of the the, the repressive um, actions uh, by the Indian state, they were seeking to create something that uh, where six could be could feel safe, that uh, effectively lived out the principles that we, uh, that we adhere to as six in terms of, uh, you know, the well uplifting, the well-being of all, uh, and true religious freedom or a true secularism that uh, didn't, uh, didn't sort of play one community off of the other or put one community above another. Uh, and, and it also included, you know, if we look at things like the Anand Prasad resolution, talking about economic, uh, security and upliftment of the poor and things like that. So we're talking about, you know, a liberatory forward thinking, uh, uh, configuration that was, that was rooted in, in justice and the principles that we bow to, uh, in the city of Guru Granth Sahib. And, and so, you know, as we look forward, uh, into the future, you know, like like our our kind of hookum from from uh, Guru Gobind Singh Ji is to is to do Raj is to create a new order that is uh, in alignment with these kind of high principles of of you know rooted in the well being of all people, seeing all people as ultimately connected uh, uh, with uh, with each other, um, and so you know, can any state? Uh, as they're configured now, can any state actually even deliver the kind of uh, 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 liberatory um, uh, 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 vision uh, of a world uh, or a liberatory order uh, based in justice that that we believe in as six? Can it even be delivered by any any existing states um, democratic uh, or quote unquote democratic process? Yeah, absolutely not. I think right. you know that rhetorical, you know, rhetorical question. But I think you raise such an important um, issue, which is the context of um, you know Sikh politics, is, and especially for the diaspora, has started to shift into that mindset of understanding these things at a deeper, more, more, um, you know, kind of bantic level, more guru centric level, and understanding that, um, you know, I think just. From a from a Canadian um, historical perspective, you know, I, I was looking at the official uh, Elections Canada website, um, uh-huh. and and they have uh, an article on the the electoral participation of ethno cultural communities, and and just an article on there talking about you know um, some of what they believe, or you know, this article talks about why and how. 
um, the Sikh community is so representative. Um, and, and it's interesting because they quote a writer who, who claims to say that, you know, it, it really was the Sikh community mobilizing and working to show the Canadian public that they were model citizens um, to try to shed any type of negative stereotyping. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's fascinating because, you know, we all understand that at a base level that um, so much of it was, and we talked about and touched on with, with uh, Navdeep Bass of, of, of being the model minority. Um, but, you know, we now live in an era of, of people understanding that it's, it's, it's okay to be unapologetically sick. Um, and now what does that mean? And I think those are the conversations that can help propel our community forward, um, away from kind of the reactive politics of the past to really now start to understand what, what the values and principles that are going to drive our, our participation and what, you know, what that looks like. So I think you've raised, you know, some really important uh, pieces of conversation that we, we as a community need to start to engage with, uh, at, at a deeper level in order to, you know, move forward, um, with our, our involvement and, and our activism. Well, I, I think you said it really well there. And, uh, maybe that's because if we keep going down that road, this will turn into a multiple hour long uh, episode. So, uh, uh, like you said, things to discuss and ponder, uh, as a community and, uh, and, uh, I really appreciate your analysis and, uh, your sharing with us, uh, about these issues. Yeah, uh, thank you, Shabd Singh. Thank you for allowing me to kind of dig deeper into that article. And it was really fun, actually, with this article because it actually it not only was it online that we generated some conversation; it was also within the community. I, I was mm. asked to uh, appear on, um, you know, Punjabi language radio, uh, mm. you know, across Canada, and and I remember um, having to to kind of navigate a few different spaces. One, you know, with uh, with the host that was a bit more pro India. Mm. And, you know, kind of um, really being challenged on this concept that the Indian state has um, some type of motivation or, you know, concerted effort to undermine six. And I mean, if you start digging deeper into the history, um, you, you know, anybody who, who, who knows this and, and has seen um, the efforts as they've existed can can really speak to that. But it, it was it was it was interesting and it was a, a fun experience to actually be able to engage with with people who who you know have a different perspective when it comes to that. But that article really sparked a conversation, I believe, um, you know, uh, in the community about what electoral politics looks like. Because again, it, it is something that comes up a lot, and, and we see it right now with the federal election. I mean, across Canada, Punjabi language radio is is being dominated by. Um, political parties, politicians, mm. and they've become outlets for mainstream politicians to start mm. to appear on because they they understand the power of this motivated group of of, of 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 people who come out in you know massive numbers to vote. You know, here in in, in Edmonton or Alberta, our premier Jason Kenney is a frequent visitor on Punjabi language radio. His mm. cabinet ministers are frequent visitors on Punjabi language radio. Um, and those outlets, I mean, it's a part of our community in that landscape and the media landscape that a lot of times, you know, uh, people ignore, whether that's the mainstream media, whether that's um, kind of the younger diaspora. But there is uh, a media that is is very critical. I mean, at times we can yeah. accuse them of, of, of you know, kowtowing, but, um, you know, to uh, appease certain interests. Um, but they're also willing to engage in, in debates uh, and and I, you know, I, I appreciated the opportunity to actually kind of take 
take that article and, and go have a conversation on different platforms and in different spaces to engage with the community. Well, I appreciate that. We appreciate the the work you've done there. Uh, and again, thank you for this uh, for this analysis. And uh, I'm sure we'll we'll uh, have more discussions in the future. Oh, sounds good, Joe. Thanks, Arma. We're again so grateful for uh, to Harman for joining us today. Uh, we hope you enjoyed that discussion. We hope that it provoked uh, some uh, some new ideas or some new questions uh, as it regards to uh, sixth place in uh, in government and representative politics. Uh, can we truly be represented? And does being represented actually achieve anything for us? Uh, and how can we use it as a tactic? as opposed to seeing it as, uh, as an ends uh, rather than a mean. So uh, thank you, yeah, once again to everybody for listening in. We really appreciate you uh, listening and engaging with us. Once again, please do uh, subscribe, share these episodes around with your friends, uh, and, and do leave us uh, a, a comments and reviews uh, wherever you listen to the show so that uh, more folks can find us and they can know about the good uh, work that we're doing here. We're always happy to hear your feedback, uh, your, your comments, your ideas, your questions, your critiques. We always want to hear it, uh, so please do always feel free to reach out. Um, also, make sure that you uh, subscribe to Boz uh, itself. We rely on your contributions to help this entity keep running and keep doing its work. Uh, so please do consider making a contribution and becoming a supporting member. Uh, once again, my name is Shabad Singh. I'm your host. And uh, thank you again so much for listening. And we'll see you again in a couple of weeks.